are now listening to the Dad Rules Podcast with your hosts, Mario E. and Keith. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Dad Rules Podcast, where we help you dad better. I'm one of your hosts, Mario E. and Kid. We got a special guest today. You want to shout him out? Hey, what's going on, everybody? We got today, we got Mike Hines from the Just BS and Podcast with us. We're excited about him being on here. Welcome to the podcast, Mike. And I appreciate it, man. Long time fan, day one fan. Um, great podcast, man. From when you first told me about it, man, we always exchange different ideas, even when I was doing mine. Most definitely. Um, and still doing it, but you know what I'm saying? I'm glad to be a guest, man. Long time waiting. Good, good. Good stuff. Well, I got something else I want to share today. We got the merch loading today mario check me out yeah, check me yeah, out I, mario I it. you gotta check ship those to me man i, I gotta get some too yeah i know pair. i get free i know i can get a free pair hold on hold on hans we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna hook you up with something but i don't know if i'm gonna be able to do that yet <laughs> <laughs> but yeah yeah we, we're excited to have you here today man and um let's get into it so first off just tell us you know who you are and and where are you from? All right, so my name is Mike Hines. Um, from Portsmouth, Virginia, man. One of the greatest cities in the world, man. I encourage, I encourage anybody, if you want to Portsmouth, man. Um, but yeah, man, I'm from Portsmouth, Virginia, man. Born and raised. Um, I spent majority of my life there. Um, a year, I stayed in Waycross, Georgia, where my family is originally from. But like I said, I'm from Portsmouth, Virginia, Charlestown to be exact. Um, That's what's went up. to Shaw University on a scholarship, and I'm here now. Yeah, so that's actually where I can I can kind of segue into that. That's actually where we we met at. Um, looked like we met during um, intramural football. Well, at first you were on my hall, mm-hmm. and I remember going up to you and be like, hey man, what's going on? And you were like, um, my name Hans. And this is the thing he was saying, Mario, right? <laughs> you asked him what his name is, he said Hans. And people be like, Hans, he's like, yeah, Hans like the ketchup. <laughs> <laughs> man, so, yeah. You know, but seemed like after, you know, we met on the hallway, like we were kind of running together ever since. And, you know, things hadn't really changed over the years. Just got closer. And um, just been a good friend over the years. But um, can you tell us about like uh, your major and like what kind of work you, you're doing now? All right, so undergrad, I majored in recreation, man. Um, honestly, when I went to Shaw, I went to Shaw on a scholarship and I was supposed to, I got a track scholarship, but I was supposed to be on a football and a track scholarship. I literally went to school just to play sports. So um, when I got there, there was like, I mean, what you want to major in? And I'm like, what? Yeah. I, I literally didn't know. So then I was like, well, um, I want to be a PE teacher, but Shaw didn't have physical education. So they told me, all right, this is what you do. You um, major in recreation and you get your minor in education. So I'm like, okay. And they were like, depending on where you at, then you could transition that to PE because it'll qualify under some counties. So 
undergrad, I got that major, but I never got my minor because once I graduated, I was like, man, I'm not going back to school mm-hmm. to get my minor. I'm not staying another year to get a minor originally. But then a um, couple of years went by, I started working in the mental health field mm-hmm. and I always wanted to work with some type of mental health or um, autistic kids and things like that. So I'm like, man, I'm gonna do social work because kids was always getting placed in like group homes and the system wasn't really working for them. So I wanted to be that gap. Yeah. So I ended up getting my master's in clinical mental health counseling. Um, right now I'm working at Kennesaw state as a registered counselor, but I'm in the uh, process of studying to get my license to be a full, fully licensed clinical mental health counselor right now. Right. Right. What's up? That's what's up. up. Trying to, trying to kind of give back. And, um, I think it's good when we can find careers where we have a a deeper purpose and really fulfilling who we want to be and what we want the world to be in our lives. Um, yeah yeah I that's that's right man because like honestly I remember having impactful male figures mm-hmm. but I also don't remember having a person that like I could really fully express myself in a um no judgment free zone however you want to um, say it yeah I didn't have that growing up well I may have had it but I just wasn't open and inclined to reach out to this person. And I mean, let's just be real, man. And and like, guys, we know what it was like when we were growing up. You weren't supposed to talk about your feelings. You're supposed to be a man. You know, you're supposed to go through whatever you got to go through. Mm-hmm. No matter how hard it is, you're not, spo- you're not supposed to tell nobody how you're feeling because don't nobody care. You know what I'm saying? You're expected mm-hmm. to provide, you're expected to protect and all of that stuff comes into the equation. So then when we do find out that we have some issues going on in the mind or we need some extra help or whatever, then we're afraid to go out there and get that extra help. But then when we get the extra help, are we able to find somebody that we feel comfortable with talking to? Do we, are we able to find somebody who looks like us, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I just feel like what you're doing is, is going to be successful because of who you are. As long as you continue to be who you are and let guys that look like us feel comfortable when they come in and talk to you, I think you can have a really successful business. Yeah, without a doubt. Man, I know one, um, no matter who I was networking with, like when I was working at the hospital, anytime an outside counselor, um, payee, social worker, um, somebody who had parental uh, guardianship over people, man, walking them from the unit back to the exit. I always talk to people, man. And one thing they always told me, they was like, we need more African-American males in this field and it's going to grow and it's, you're going to be successful once you hit that. Right. Right. Yeah. So one thing we do, we talk about with every dad or guest that we have on the show, we like to ask them the one question that we ask everybody and is, can you tell us about your relationship with your dad? Okay, all right. So my my relationship with my dad, man, right now, we are closer than ever. Mm-hmm. Man who have a great relationship, man. Um, 
I could call my pops and we could talk about everything but what's going on between us. And it's crazy because growing up, growing up, him and my mom got divorced, I want to say around five. Mm -hmm. I was like four or five when they got divorced. My um, sister is the firstborn. So like um, growing up, we wasn't tight. We wasn't tight, um, but we wasn't bad. Like I'm not gonna sit here and make it seem like he was a deadbeat dad because he wasn't. He had, he was a great dad, but growing up, like we just didn't have that like tight bond. Now I said, what do you think is uh, built that wedge in between you all where you couldn't have a good relationship when you were younger? Uh, all right, so I'm not gonna say we didn't have a good relationship, uh -huh. but we just wasn't tight. We wasn't we wasn't close, man. When um, they got divorced, my mom started her life. He started his life. Um, and I think because I was so young, we didn't never like have that connection. Versus my sister, my sister is four years older than me. So if I was five, she was nine. Mm -hmm. So she had more years to have that bond with him. Mm -hmm. My the I feel like that important that five elementary elementary year age, that's that's critical. So I was with my mom. Now, my dad, like when it came to sports, he took me to the football practice, picked me up. He was at the games or whatnot like that. But when he started his family, it was just honestly different. So you, yeah. you also gotta you also gotta think about it like this. My mom got married again. I was in a wedding. My dad got married. I wasn't in the wedding, but not only did he get married, I didn't even know he was getting married to after he got married. Okay. Uh, then when he started his family, it's hard to explain. Cause like my dad is so laid back. He he's a man of little words. Yeah. But when he speak it's impactful. So him being in a relationship with another woman or getting married to somebody, he's so laid back that, you know, they say, let's do it this way. He kind of more like, all right, that's cool. Whatever, you yeah. know, and not really. Yeah, and it's, and it's crazy cause I'm kind of like that now. Right. Like, I'm like that. I, I, uh, my mom always say, the older, the older you get, the more you act like your dad. And my wife be like, you act just like your daddy. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, long as you happy, I'm happy. And that's how he is. What, what do you think you, I guess, wanted to see your dad do? Was, do you feel like it was something more he could have done you know, other than taking you to football practice, or do you feel like that that's where he felt like he could fit in? At my household, it was different. I lived with my mom. So my mom was the provider. My mom was the protector. Now, at the end of the day, do I believe my dad would have been a protector? Without a doubt. Well, he would have been a provider? Without a doubt. But that's how the told was. My mom, the one that had, had to make sure everything was right. So let me give you an example. I remember I got in trouble in school and it was to the point where they said he can't go to field trips unless a parent go with him. And I remember like what I did for them to say that, but 
my mom automatically said, well, I'm not taking off of work. And being that my dad had his own business, he was a security guard for the neighborhood where we stayed at. Mm. So, and he worked overnight. So my dad would be the one that go to the field trips with me. Um, he also worked in the public, uh, Postma public school system. So if I was to get in trouble in school, they will call him because mm-hmm. the connection. Not knowing just because you te- call him, it's going to change how I act. Yeah. Now, if you call, you no, know, normally, if they call your mom, is you know, you go have that conversation with your mom. She go talk to your dad to be easy. It was different. Call my dad. Don't call Paula. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, but that was that was the type of thing. Um, the roles were, was reversed for me. But I'm not trying to discredit his fatherhood his fatherness or his manhood. It was just how it was. So your mom was the disciplinarian, you said? Yeah, without a doubt. Um, I think my dad disciplined me maybe one time in my whole life. Yeah. I I guess I kind of look at it if, if dad, you know, is not in the home and trying to maintain a good relationship with you. Maybe he's trying to reach you with discipline in another type of way other than, you know, physically. Did he have those good conversations? Like, hey, man, you need to get yourself together. You know, nah. it won't like that. Nah, my, my dad was, my mom and dad disciplined two different ways. My dad was the type of person, why are you doing that? Such and such, such and such. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, what can you say? Now, my mom, she was the one who gave me a whooping. Mm-hmm. She was the one that put me on punishment. But my mom also allowed me to make mistakes and learn from my mistakes. Okay. And she would allow, she would allow me to determine what happens. All right, so she had a conversation with me. And it's just like, all right, so do you want to be on punishment or do you want to get a beat? So, you know what I'm saying? Of course, I'm going to say, all right, I'm going to get the beat. Take this. Then I'm outside. Yeah. Got to a point where she was like, which one you want to do? You want to um, get a beating or you want to get on punishment? Right, I'm going to get a beating. You're going to get a beating and you're going to be on punishment. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but then, you know what I'm saying? But my mom, like, my mom is real down to earth. Um, yeah. I promise you, like, my mom is down on earth, man. Like, she allowed me to make mistakes and learn from my mistakes. That's one yeah. of the most important lessons that I remember. And she would have those conversations with me. Yeah. She would have those conversations with me. Um, And my last beat from her is the one I remember the most. And I think that one really changed me from getting in trouble and stuff in sixth grade. It changed his life. Changed my life, man. And like, believe it or not, after that, whenever I did something, it put me in a position and I'm prepared for the consequences that comes with this. Yeah. So no matter what I did, that's always the end result. Right. Right. So let's talk about Dad, you said relationship wasn't as good in the beginning, but then now y'all are like really close 
first, when did that change start to come? And then why do you think that change came? All right, so I think that change started once I got to college. <laughs> Literally, once I got to college, man, that first week of school, he probably called me a hundred times. Okay. But what they doing? They on the yard, y'all on the yard chilling. What's going on? <laughs> such and such come out. What, what y'all doing? Yeah. Y'all, so it got to the point that I stopped answering the phone. Wow. I literally stopped answering the phone. I called my mom. I said, mom, my daddy keep calling me such and such. And um, she had to talk to him and be like, you got to let him grow. That's yeah. when I first, like now that I'm older, that's when it first happened. Um, but I think we got closer once my son was born. Oh, man. Once my son was born, I started making the initiative to become closer with him. Not saying we wasn't close. Mm-hmm. Like, he's a great father, and he did what he's supposed to. Yeah. But I think once my son was um, born, the connection between us built our connection. Because at first, I was like, I'll wait for him to call me. He don't call me, I don't call him. The phone worked two ways. But yeah. that's just, and I understand my dad. You know what I'm saying? That's just my dad. Like, me and my sister, like, we have a saying, like, if such and such happened, we'd be like, oh, that's just such and such. Yeah. And my, my wife used to be like, well, no, you can't say it. that's just such and such because that's not fair. But I'm like, that's just such and such. You are like that. You are like yeah. that. Yeah. When things happen, and, and, and even things that happen in our group, and I, I might talk to Hans and be like, man, I'm so frustrated. Like, that didn't happen right, or why did such and such do that? And Hans is just kind of like, you got to accept people for who they are. You just got to take them for who they are. And mm-hmm. me being like we talked about before we started recording, I'm a black and white type of person. Like, I can't stand gray air. <laughs> that's a yeah. hard pill for me to swallow that that's just how that person is you got to be more lenient with that person I'm like no nah, you with me you with me if you're not with me you you against me but Heinz has helped me over the years to realize that you you have to handle people differently and it doesn't mean that people don't love you but they just are who they are that's so and it, yeah. it, it took a while for me man because like I have different set of friends uh-huh. I have different set of friends man. I have college friends I have friends um who have like businesses I have friends that that do stuff that they don't supposed to do and I understand certain people are who they are fire he's gonna lie that's him but I don't know with that friend I know when he's telling truth and I know when he's lying yeah okay so you brought up an interesting point about how you and your dad, you know, the relationship, you know, y'all had a relationship, but you guys weren't as close as you are now. And you said that the change actually took place when your son was born. Um, So let's talk about when you became a father and your lady came to you and said, hey, I'm pregnant. Like, how did you feel at that moment? And what was going on in your mind? All right. So at the moment when she told me, it was like, it was like, all right, man, what we going to do? Like, 
it was it was rough at first because me and her was going through typical relationship stuff, man. If anybody ever hit adversity, you know, you know yeah, how it yeah. is to be in a relationship. So um we didn't know what we was gonna do because she was thinking about going back to Charlotte because she had just finished school. I was in Raleigh. Um, but once we said, okay, we're gonna make this happen. We're gonna do what we gotta do. We're gonna move forward. I was happy, man. Like, like I'm like, yo, I'm gonna have love me. Like from the start, I always said I was gonna have a boy. Yeah. Um, the hardest thing was thinking about a name because mm -hmm. I'm a junior. Um, and I always said growing up, I want to have a third. But then when I got older, I was like, man, nah, I want him to have his own, his own life. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to name him nothing. But then my wife was like, nah, we're going to name him after you. Mm -hmm. And I was like, nah, I don't want to name him after me. Then she was like, well, what name can you think of? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, ah, oh, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> so like it, it it was like it was set in stone right then and there and it was like I told my mom um my mom was happy so I told my dad and my dad I didn't even tell my dad I just gave him the ultrasound so my dad was like boy <laughs> so like you know what I'm saying so uh he was like boy and like, if you know my dad, though, like, he was happy. Yeah. But he don't really show emotions. Right. He, he really don't show emotions, but he was happy. And um, he gave me some of the best advice when I asked him that. I'm like, all right, so dad, I said, what advice do you have so I could be prepared? He was like, one day at a time. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what? Man, what? I said, out of all this, you go on. Only say one day at a time. I even called my mom and said, Mom, I just asked this such and such. And the only thing he said is one day at a time. He was like, Well, you know how your own daddy is. So then, you right. know what I'm saying? It like um he was born. He was born not even a full month. Um, my wife had problems from the epidural. Mm -hmm. Like they ended up messing it up. So like she was having like real bad headaches. So like literally, like that first week. Um, her mom was here and I was literally letting her get her rest. I was taking, taking, taking the role or whatever, besides when she was pumping and things like that. And I want to say maybe like, it was probably more than a month, but one day I called him and I was like, I understand when you said take it one day at a time. And he was like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like, that was some groundbreaking advice. Something yeah. that you never heard of before. <laughs> Right, man. Like, you know, you when you look at the TV shows, you know, these dads give great advice or whatever. And that was by far the greatest advice that he ever gave me in my life. And to this day, anybody who asks me for advice, I give them two advice. The first one I said is your child, raise them how you want to. Don't listen to these old people saying put oat, oatmeal in the um, bottle for they could sleep more. Mm -hmm. And I say, Take it one day at a time. Right. That's that's the only two advice I give anybody who have kids. I ain't I ain't here to try to tell you how to raise your kids, but I tell them one day at a time. 
And that's the greatest advice my father ever gave me in life wow. to this day. Because you will have some days that's good. You will have some days that's bad. Some days will be better than this day. So, yeah, man, that's that's how I felt, man. But going back to the original question, man, I was I was excited, man. Especially when I found out I was having a boy. Yeah. So when I was telling people, everybody automatically, boy, you are she tall, you tall, y'all go have a wide receiver, son. This, this, this. And I'm like, well, chill, relax. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's a good segue into, you know, the advice piece. And um I was talking to one of my uh, high school friends, um, father, and he was talking about some of the greatest advice he had got. And like we here on the Dad Roots podcast, we talk about having a dad council, and dad council is a combination of older dads that you have in your life, guys that have influenced you from a young age, guys that are your age, and then also we like to mentor younger fathers as well, and this this man i went now that i think about it i think about all the times that because i played with his we played baseball and basketball together when we were like at the age of five and six years old coming all the way up and then we ended up playing high school football together so Mm -hmm. this man was a part of my life all the way up i had a great dad but this was another dad in the community that i saw taking his son to practice I saw spending quality time with his son and he was telling me about some of the greatest advice that he had gotten. And his advice was be the dad that you always wanted, Mm. not necessarily the dad that you had. And I thought about that, man. And it gave me chills when he said that because I think about my dad and my dad, my dad is a great dad, man. Great Mm -hmm. dad. I mean, I don't have any complaints about my dad, but when he said, be the dad that you always wanted, I'm like, man, I had a great dad. But he said, but not necessarily the dad that you had. And um, so now I take that under consideration. I'm like, I had a good dad. You know, I, I had a really good dad. But still, you got to be that dad that you wanted to. My dad was everything I wanted. You know what I'm saying? But he just made me think on a whole different level with that. But I appreciate that advice. And like you, sometimes you don't really realize the influence that people have on your life. Mm-hmm. Until you get older and you start having kids, and you like, man, right. all of y'all helped me to be the dad that I am today. You know? <laughs> yeah. What- Without a doubt, man. I know um, when my son was born, man, the one thing I've always said is I want to be that father that's in the house. Right. Um, because it was different, man. Like, you know, it's normal to me. Mm-hmm. But society paints a picture. You're supposed to be married. Mm-hmm. Then you have your kids. And it was opposite. Me and her wasn't married. Mm-hmm. I had my son. Then years later, we got married. Yeah. My, my best friend, um, I think they, did they get married? I think they might might have got married either right before the son was born or right after. 
Mm-hmm. But I grew up, man, like I grew up like the first part of my years, I think I knew two people who was in a household with their mother and father. Yeah. Besides one who um, mom and dad was in their household. Yeah. Now yeah. my my little sisters is different. Um mom and dad is in the household together from birth to now. So like it wasn't it wasn't normal to see a father and a mother in the household together. You might have a mother and a stepdad or yeah. a mom and a longtime boyfriend. Yeah. Um but it wasn't a mom and a dad. Right. On a day-to-day basis, friends that I hung with on a day-to-day basis. Now, of okay. course, you know, I had some people that I knew who mom, mom and dad was together, but necessarily might not be, they might have an older sister, but the dad is not their dad. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's how it was. So, you mean, you, you definitely recognize, you know, not being in the home with your dad, the importance of being in the home with your son. Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt, man, that's one thing I like, man. That's one thing, because I knew how I felt not to have your dad in the house. Yeah. And I even, even when my mom got married again, her um, her husband, I tried to use that, like, I remember saying, hey, can I call you dad? But it didn't feel right. And I recognized this at six, seven. Yeah. I tried to, you know what I'm saying? Because his friends, the two friends that I was saying, his friends were those fathers who was in the home with them. But it, it like it, it still ain't feel right. Great, great guy. Like they got married, they end up getting divorced, but then they got back together later. Mm-hmm. But by the time he came back, I was in high school. Yeah. So I mean, what can you tell me? I mean, you really can't discipline me. Not that he did when I was little. Yeah. Um, but you, it's only but so much you can say. Right. Because at the end of the day, you just go have that conversation with my mama. And my mom is going to be the one that address what happened. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what would you say? Because how does your son now? Trey is about to turn seven, February 24th. Okay. So in seven years, what was your proudest moment? In the seven years, my proudest moment. Yeah. For Trey. Yeah. Um, I probably would say when he learned how to ride a bike. <laughs> like, like, and I say this because. I really didn't have to teach him. My son, my son, our kids are is, is brought up on his YouTube era. Right. Oh yeah. Oh, so yeah. so anything they want to learn, they look at YouTube. Mm-hmm. So like for me, I remember um my next door neighbor taught me how to ride a bike in like 30 minutes. My mom was like, hey, teach him how to ride a bike. I give you, I think it was like $10. 30 minutes came back, taught him how to ride a bike. <laughs> My older cousin didn't know how to ride a bike. I taught him how to ride a bike. Mm-hmm. So then Trey had a bicycle. 
you know, um, with the training wheels or whatever. So I finally ended up taking the training wheels off and took them to the park. Probably like 10, 10 minutes he was riding the bike. Okay. So like that's how that's how he is. Like he learned how to skateboard off of YouTube. Yeah. Um basketball. He just started playing basketball this year. Uh-huh. Shout out LeBron James because if it wasn't for Space Jams too, he wouldn't he wouldn't be playing um baseball. I mean basketball. Right. So like it's just it's those things. Um that I'm proud of. And I don't want to be the athlete parent that only cares about that. Right. But I know like when it comes to school and whatnot, I can only teach them math. Mm-hmm. That was my that was my favorite subject. That's what I was good at. And he loves math. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing that I'm proud of. Yeah. Out of him. Um, it's a lot of stuff that he do, man, that I'm proud of. But there's also a lot of stuff that he do that get on my nerves. And I'm like, yo, Trey, man, come on, man. Like, you too old. You too old, man. But then when you look at it, you be like, he's only six. Yeah, that's dad stuff. That's dad yep. stuff. You know what I'm saying? And I, I try to take how I was raised and put on him. But it's some stuff that I also remember how I was raised that I didn't like. Yeah. I think, so, like, I think that proud thing that you was talking about, it made me think about how you know, with them being in this YouTube era and being where they can just pick up the remote and watch whatever they want to in that instant. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so it's so much stuff trying to keep them in the house, the games mm-hmm. and everything that I get, I'm proud sometimes when I can just take him outside and he just loves it or he wants to go outside because that's mm-hmm. one thing that I don't want him to lose is that drive to want to go outside and play with his friends because that's what I came up with. You know, mm-hmm. you get home from school, you go in, do your homework, and you come right back out. Or, man, you come home from school, man, you go to the house, just put your book bag in the door, and then you go right back out, do your homework later or whatever. Yeah. I don't want him to miss out on that. I want yeah. him to go play. That's why I'm glad he got a he's got a next door neighbor and they they're good people. Um, because as he gets older, man, I'm like, y'all go over to the park, go play, go run. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Do kid stuff, go get in the creek, do stupid stuff, throw rocks, you know. Yeah, that's what I want him to do, yeah. man. Like, because I don't know, man, being cooped up in the house all the time is just not a good, it's just not a good deal. Yeah, and see with Trey, man, he's always been that. Like when I say Trey is all boy, he's yeah. all boy. Like some stuff I call my mom, I'm like, mom, was I like that when son? he did this? Yeah, he he's your son. So like Trey, like he he has a next door neighbor. Trey's in first grade. The next door neighbor's in third. The other side, he's in first. And a kid that's up the street is in second. So he goes outside, like literally. Um, I'm surprised he haven't asked to go outside. On the weekends, you can't go outside to 10 o'clock. They'll go over to the park. They'll walk over to the park. We, we stay in a quarter, quarter stat. So it's good because I could be like, y'all go, just play in the front. That way I could come outside, look out my window. All right, y'all did. But I also give him that, all right, y'all could go to the park. I'm going to drive up at the park check make sure everything good, come back. So I try to give him a little 
open area because I remember being that age, I wasn't cooped up in the house and Lord knows what I was doing at that yeah. age. Um, so like he he's not that, but at the same time, during the week since we get home late, he get on Fortnite. Him and his cousins, him and his cousins get on Fortnite. Mm-hmm. So like, man, that's my dog, dog. Like for real, <laughs> that that's my dog, man. Yeah, you do. So, hey, so so I got a question, Hines. So you were talking about, you know, uh, you know how you grew up and you know, kind of a single parent, you know, household for a time there, whatever and stuff. And I know that a lot of times our environment affects who we are, you know, now. So I guess mm-hmm. I kind of want to ask you. Um, well, first I want to say shout out to your podcast. I've listened to some episodes, dope stuff. I, I you say you're a fan of ours. I mean, we're a fan of yours too, for sure. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yeah. So so you talked about in you know couple of episodes I was listening to just about all of them seemed like it you you know you were talking about your hometown Portsmouth so can you talk about uh, a little bit just uh, from the standpoint of growing up there and how it shaped your dreams and your desires and your goals to want to you know do things that you're doing now all right so Portsmouth beautiful Portsmouth man um You wear Portsmouth on your shoulder, man. Portsmouth is everything. It made me who I am today, man. Um, it built toughness. I always say if you're from Portsmouth, man, you can survive in any place, anywhere, man. Um, Portsmouth is the smallest city of the seven cities out of Virginia Beach, Norfolk, Chesapeake, Suffolk, Hampton, and Newport News, but it's also one of the most violent cities. Hmm. But growing up, you don't realize how it is until you get older and you move away. Um, so things that I seen and I was brought up on, I thought was normal. Um, now I, I won't sit here and make it seem like, man, I live off his neighborhood or we was out, out violent and all this. Now I'm not gonna say that, but um, I've seen some things firsthand and when I got to school I felt like I got to school and I took a sociology class my freshman year fall 2007 Dr. Greenfield and to this day man out of all 15 16 years I've been in school the one thing I remember is the social construction of reality and Basically, what that is, is however you board up is the correct way in your, in your eyes. Now, somebody looking on the outside might think, well, that's not normal. But it might not be normal to you, but to me, it's normal. So when I went to school... Um, what is that called again? Social construction of reality. Okay. So when I went to school and I took that class and I learned about that maybe like this second, third week of school, max. So I went to school, figured this out, and I started looking at life different. Not saying everybody back home is bubbled in, but Portsmouth, like, you can get trapped in Portsmouth. 
you could get trapped in a porcelain, man, if your head is not straight, man. And let me go back. So coming up, man, we lived the normal lifestyle that we thought, man. Things that we did, we thought was normal. Um, I wouldn't, I would not change my childhood for nothing. Everything that I did went through, made me who I am today. Um, sometimes it was tough. Sometimes it was good. Um, but me and my friends, we did things that we thought was fun. Other people might look at it and be like, yo, why y'all doing that? But it was normal. Like, who would think to have a paintball versus BB gun war? Y'all did that. We did that. Wow. Um, who would think to, all right, cars coming in the middle of the street, let's light a firecracker that take 10 minutes to go out. Who, who would think to have a Roman candle battle? We shooting each other with Roman candles. But that was our childhood. And we didn't think that would harm anybody. Yeah. Um, Just kids being kids. Yeah, kids being kids. But we did the typical things. We also played football. We played basketball. We played baseball. We played kickball. We played four squares. We went to the park. So, like, like it also made me who I am, man. I love Portsmouth to the death. But that's the good side. Now, once it gets dark, it's something different. But I was in tune with people and I knew people who also looked out for me. It'd been situations that I was in or I'd be just thinking we having a good time and somebody could come to me and be like, yo, go ahead, go ahead home. Then I find out later such and such happened at this place. Hmm. So like every, everybody looked out for each other also. But there's, there's any other city, man, like, that's any other city, man. You have your good parts, you have your bad parts. So yeah. then when I went to school and I took this class and I realized about social construction of reality, I started looking at things different. I'm not just looking like how kid was talking about it's either black or white or gray area. Area. I started looking in that gray area. Yeah. On different things happening. So, um, and kid probably could adjust to this. So like when I got, when I got to school, I was kind of rugged, you know what I'm saying? I didn't allow nobody to say anything to me. You could say, Alpha Portsmouth, what? You know what I'm saying? You joking, but, yeah. you know what I'm saying? I'm, right. Yeah, I'm bringing what I'm from at to the school. But, you know what I'm saying? Once I got to school, it kind of opened my eyes and realized everybody don't know about Portsmouth. So you, you, trying, to, you trying to hold this image Mm -hmm. And somebody from California don't even know about Portsmouth. They don't even know about Virginia. They don't right. even know about Virginia Beach or whatever. Yeah. So, you know, I got to school and it kind of opened my eyes, man. Um, and I went through some rough stuff at school that made me who I am today. So Portsmouth, Shaw equals me right now. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I was listening to, you know, your episode with... Um, that you had with DJ Baby Boy, and you okay. all talking about the violence that goes on in Portsmouth, right? Mm -hmm. So it kind of made me want to ask you this question just from a dad perspective. You know, we all go through certain things, you know, when we're younger, and I had never heard of this social construction of reality, and I, I guess it kind of touches on that, where we think, I guess to your point, 
we think the way we grew up is the best way. We kind of think that like, you know, that's the best way to, to raise a kid, so to speak, right? Okay. But then maybe, maybe, maybe there's a different way, you know, maybe there's a different way because I think about it how, how I grew up, maybe not as rough as, you know, how you're claiming your, how you grew up in certain aspects, but I grew up a certain way, but I still want my son to be tough. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? But I don't want him to go through all the things I went through necessarily to be tough. You know, you want to protect your kids from certain things. How do you balance that as a father where you want your son to be tough, but you don't necessarily want him to go through everything that you went through? Or do you feel like that? Uh, so this is what I say, man. Uh, one thing I hate is when parents or people like get on Facebook and be like, where's these kids' parents? Their parents is at home. The parents is doing what they're supposed to. It's the outside environment. You can't control how a person handles a situation when they're not at home. Realistically, let's keep it a band. It's 24 hours in a day. Eight hours they're at school. Eight hours you're at work. So that means you got 16 hours left. Eight hours they're asleep. So you have eight hours in a day. And let's just say they come in the house at six. So basically between six and eight, that's when that parent is there because they probably be working a nine to five. They may be up in the morning or whatever, but you could do what you want to do. You could parent how you want to parent as best as possible. But is that kid responsible enough to not let the outside environment? You could, have, you could raise your child perfect in your eyes. But kid could raise a child perfect in his eyes. But my child who's around y'all kids more than y'all can influence that kid to go a certain way. Yeah. So like sometimes, sometimes outside influences can make a difference because I remember when we got to school, man, and I lie to you not, man, that first two weeks that y'all, everybody always had the same questions. Well, where are you from determines who you are. Everybody always had that question, like that first two weeks of school. When you do no school work, they always ask that question. You always had to give an answer. And when I got to school, I naturally said no. I was like, because I wouldn't be here. But actuality, <laughs> that influenced who I was. I did, and I didn't know. Like yeah. I, probably, I didn't know. I was thinking I'm in school, such and such. But I didn't know I was bringing that force my attitude with me because we wear it on our shoulders because we're so proud. We're a proudful city. I can I can attest to that. The the Heinz that I saw over the years is nothing close to the Heinz that I met for the first time. It was a different mentality. I think I mean he really came there like he was still in Portsmouth and had to be a certain way. And I don't know, sometime after that, it was like, I don't have to be like that around these guys. I can just chill. I can relax. We're not about to get in a fight. We're not about to do this. We're not about to do that. We're about to hang out and chill. And he's the first person to tell you, if we somewhere and something about to go down, I'd be like, yo, let's go. Mm -hmm. I'm out. But, yeah, uh, so let me, let me ask y'all this. Before y'all went to school, what were y'all doing two days before y'all went to school? 
Uh, probably at Walmart with my mom, getting my stuff okay. together. Yeah, probably just, you know, chilling at the house or something, you know, yeah. Two days before I went to school, I was in a big fight. Yeah. I was in a big fight. That first week I got to school, I probably was about to fight three times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it, it's just, I mean, I, I think once um, Peanut got killed, I kind of started, I had went through like a little depression and I kind of yeah. stopped hanging around a lot of people for like a year or so. And I think that probably like really what changed me. Yeah. And like it, that, it was a that tough 2008 time. year really changed me. Yeah. That whole 2008 changed me. And that's when I realized, okay, I was still doing what I was doing, but really my senior year, I was like, yo, I came too far to get in trouble. That summer going to my senior year, I was like, I came too far to get in trouble. Yeah. Cause I remember when, I remember when Peanut got killed and I just I just remember that being very hard time for you. But Mario, he was just running around and he was just doing this. He was just staying busy and everything like that. And I, I did not know what he was going through because he was just staying busy, staying busy. But when he was able to sit down, that's when I first realized I was like, man, he's really hurting right now. Is, you know? is Peanut like one of the homies for back home or something? Yeah, Peanut was, okay. Peanut was one of my best friends, man. Like. But also, like, that year in 2008, from sex semester freshman year to first semester sophomore year, I think in that year, I probably lost close to 10 people, either death or in jail. Man. And that's, that's when I was like, at first I was like, all right, that just means I got to move smarter. I know I ain't going to kill nobody, so... I ain't got to worry about that. Oh, I know I ain't about to go run in no house, beat somebody, right, drag right. them out, attempt murder. All right. Damn, Peanut got killed. What? Then such and such of them got arrested. Damn, then such and such of them got arrested. So then I'm like, yo, I can't go home right now. It's too hot. Mm-hmm. So then, you know what I'm saying? A little bit later, you know, I started getting, realized where I was at. And believe it or not, it was, really, when one of my friends who was locked up, he was like, man, you're the only one of us that went to college. You're the only one of us that that's, that made it this far, man. Nah, you can't do that. Mm. It was like, for real, for real, home. But Peanut was a very vital, important role into what I'm doing now. Mm. So let me ask you a question. So, you know, you, you say you got a counseling degree, right? Mm-hmm. So, and you know, so I'm going to say this, and if it's wrong, if it's completely off base, let me know. But I would think that, you know, what you're describing to me, or just, uh, just me listening to it, it almost sounds like PTSD. You know oh, nah, I mean? yeah. yeah, without a doubt, man. It's, it's, I, I do have PTSD, man. And I mean, it's not clinically. Right. Far, right. But based off studying that, working in the mental health, it's certain things like, uh, it's certain things like that triggers it. Yeah, I won't, I won't tell nobody, but I try my best to keep it under control. Yeah. Uh, Go ahead. Like certain situations, like I used to smoke. So I go to a certain situation where I know like probably could trigger, I try to smoke. So I won't feel that when I get in there 
or I drink and to the point where I'm not thinking about it. So like, yeah, certain, certain situations, man, I, I automatically snap back into that. Yeah. So nature versus nurture, you guys heard of that. So yeah. nature, you know, basically like your environment and stuff like that shapes you, you are what your environment is. And then, you know, nurture is like the way I treat you can help change that. So like you as a father, going through everything you've been through, knowing like you were that close, it could have been you type of thing. As a father, are you totally like, how are you doing, what what strategies, I guess, are you using for like Trey to say like, I want you to keep going on this path that you're going, I don't want you to experience the things that I had to experience or the things I've seen or whatever. Like, are you like, we gonna stay in a, a good neighborhood and stuff like that or whatever. And I know you said, you, you know, you weren't in the hood or anything like that, but like, does that stuff play into your mind? Like I want him to be in the best schools and stuff like that. So he won't be around it and all that. Like, how does that play? It, it do. It do plays a factor because like, I want him to go to public school. I, without I, I, I agree. Now, if he get older and like say if he decided to play sports and he excelling in sports and I feel like a private school will help him mm-hmm. at that by then he already learned the social skills that you need to learn. Um, but oftentimes, like I just it's crazy because I really have sit down conversations with Trey. Like I treat him like how my mom used to do me, man. Like the only difference is. I'm not giving him no choice if you beat in a punishment. Like I have them sit down conversations with him, man. Um, we can talk and have adult conversations. Trey, why you ain't clean your room, man? The reason why I'm on you is because if you do this and this, then you won't have to worry about this. Yeah. Or prime example, um, on Martin Luther King Day, ML um, King Day. Me and him sat down, we watched our friends Martin. And he wasn't understanding like why people was getting treated like that. So I let him know, all right, man, you gotta understand back in the day when grandma was younger, this the things that she had to go through. So I have those adult conversations with him, man. Um, Some people might disagree with it, but at the same time, that ain't your son. Yeah. Yeah. That ain't your son. Yeah. So um I'd rather him hear it from me than someone else. And I also is very blunt with him and I tell him what he needs to know and not what he wanna hear. Right. Right. Yeah, I think that's the very best important. way to do it. Like that's the I best way to do it. We have to have good relationships with our kids, but you know, at the end of the day, when it comes down to being your friend or your father, I'm gonna choose father every time. I'm, I'm gonna choose father every time. Yeah. Um, and and that's how it is. Cause I remember my mom used to. I'm not your. I'm not one of your little friends. Yeah. Such such. Wow. I I ain't I ain't gotta be um nice to you. Of course, I'm gonna be nice because I'm your father. But at the end of the day, you respect me. All right, so we were talking about how, you know, how we're raised and, 
you know, I know Tremaine kind of brought up a, a, another follow-up question there too, but, you know, I kind of think of my own situation. So, and I, I've said this before on the podcast and it's not to brag or anything, but I just find it to be a difficult situation being a dad to where we grew up, my family, we, we weren't well off at all. We, we grew up, you know, poor. Okay. Mm -hmm. If you looking at it by today's standards, I mean, we were happy, you know, my mom, my stepdad, my sister, you know, and I, you know, we all, we had good times or whatever stuff, but you know, that wasn't a lot of money, you know, and I'm fortunate now having been going to school and, you know, elevated in my career promotion after promotion, this, that, and the other, I'm making, you know, good money compared to, you know, what my parents were making. I'm making more than what they were making combined. Right. Mm -hmm. But I noticed that like things that I would ask my mom, that I would ask my mom and stepdad and even my biological father for, you know, it would be a struggle for them to get. I'm able to give those things to my kids now just because I can. Right. Yeah. And, you know, my wife and I, we talked about it plenty of times, like, you know, wow, you know, we grew up, we had to struggle. Not that I would want my kids to, you know, see all the struggles that I had to go through, but I feel like having certain struggles made me who I am. It made mm -hmm. me have to know how to get out there and go out and hustle and this, that, and the other. And I guess my thing for you, you know, you growing up as rough as you, and seeing some of the things you did, you, you did see. And, you know, Tremaine, you'd answer this too, right? But, you know, how do we balance that to where, you know, like I said, you want to expose your kids to certain things, but not to everything, but you still want them to be tough. You still don't want them to go through stuff. You still want them to learn those life lessons. But maybe I don't want them to see it quite how I saw it. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think with that, it depends on as a parent at what level. It's nothing wrong with a child having to work for for what they want. Um, me personally, I seen my mom struggle or whatnot. Um, but I've also seen family members who have it but the way they had it comes with a penalty at the end of the day i get you um for me man i've always been the type that went and got it no matter what honestly um i remember staying in georgia and my he was my uncle but i called him papa because my granddad died when i was little and that was my first cousin granddad so I call him Papa, but I remember him bootlegging, mm -hmm. selling watered down gin, <laughs> gin. Right, like, right. and at that age, me helping really? him, me helping him came with a price. Now I'm not about to sit down here with you all day. You gotta give me two dollars, two three dollars. You want me to um, auntie, you want me to go up to the store for you, the blue store for you, and put it on your tab. All right, add some M Ms up there, add a honey bun up there. Um, once I got to middle school, I've always worked, man, sixth grade, me and my best friend Todd, we was washing cars. Um, even before then, I was, I cut my grandma's yard, but her next door neighbor, Miss Howell, want me to cut her yard, or Miss Miller want me to cut her yard. Um, all right, so that's $10 a yard. Oh, I'm washing cars. Me and Todd was washing cars. Um, we was working up the street at the, um, the deli, all right, can we work here? Well, y'all not old enough. Um, well, 
we'll sweep the parking lot for $5. Or we going to Liberty Tax. Uh, all right, we passing out flyers. Well, it's supposed to be passing out flyers. $5 an hour. So like with him, he has to work for what he needs to. I think he's at the point now where, are right, you want V-Bucks? All right, well, I literally just thought of this, but literally, all right. So this is what we're gonna do. Um, you keep your room clean for a week, you get $5. Um, all right, well, you need to start taking out trash now. You seven. At that age, I was doing that. At that age, I was cleaning up bathrooms. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to instill that, man. Like we we never want our child to go through what we went through. Yeah. But yeah. at the same time, like you said, you don't want them to think that everything is just given to them. It's it's okay. It's okay. Like it's okay. Uh, <clears throat> now I would never take him and put him in danger. But you still need to understand that it's more than this just out here. Like when he cries, cries about certain stuff, you mad? You don't understand that it's somebody out here who can't get nothing. Like me and my wife have those conversations with him. Yeah. You ungrateful. Yeah. Not not trying to diminish him, but certain situations- You have to be real. Yeah. Yeah. You ungrateful. You ungrateful. Um, You want money for snacks at school? I ain't get snacks till I was in middle school, <laughs> going to school. Yeah. You want money, you know what I'm saying? So like, it depends on the parent and the level that you want to put them at. Yeah. And, and yeah. I I know people, just like you basically saying, clean your room, take out the trash, and basically I'll give you allowance if you do everything you're supposed to do. I know people that have made an argument like that's not, that's not good, that's what they're supposed to do. How you gonna teach them how to be an adult if, if they getting paid for doing house, chores and stuff like that. But I'm like, it's your you house. Wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't go, you wouldn't go to work if you won't get paid. Right. Oh, I'm contributing to my community. So I'm gonna go to school and teach because I'm educating our youth, but I'm fine. Don't pay me. You won't have a teacher in the city to do yeah. that. So I have no problem with rewarding our kids for that. And this is something that I am really struggling with, with my son. And you know, I have a daughter coming in May and I'm really, really struggling with how much is too much when it comes to our kids, because I always feel like the next, the generation before us should push forth the next generation. That generation should push forth the next generation. We should always be on a constant strive of getting better. And I look back, even with my dad, my dad was an older dad. You know, my dad had, I, I think when I was born, my dad might've been like 38. Mm-hmm. You know, this is in an era where parents were having children in their early twenties. Right. You know, and sometimes earlier. Um, so my so dad was, was a, an older parent. He was a mistake baby. Yeah, I was, clearly yeah. was. I was a mistake baby. My mom even said that she wasn't trying to have any more kids. <laughs> Um, but hey, I, I'm here. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, ten years later from my my sister. So that's how my yeah, uncle is. I wasn't supposed to be here. But when I look at it, and and I'm like, man, my dad was really from the old school. They didn't have much, you know. My dad had it was 14 of them, 
you know, they lived on a farm. They lived on a farmer's farm. It was a house. Somebody owned all the land. They lived in a house on somebody else's land and they worked for them. And then, you know, they were able to get food and all that stuff. That's what my dad came up under. Then he was able to get older, get a job, buy him a house and stuff like that. And, you know, got financially independent. But what my dad knew back then was if I send my child to college, I'm doing what I need to do to get him ahead. Right. And my dad taught me that, but my dad didn't necessarily teach me how to make money doing other things other than having a job. So that's the burden that I have with with my kids is I want to teach them how to make money without having to necessarily have a nine to five job going to every day. So that's what I've been kind of talking to my wife about. And I'm like, okay, should we, when they turn 18, put them in positions to have a successful business when they go to college? Or should I wait until they turn 22 and then say, hey, if this is what you want to do, then you got to do A, B, and C. Or people talk about putting things in kids' names. So when they do get to a certain age, then they got a little money already. You playing with a little bit of fire there because if you put too much money in a 18-year-old's hand, 20-year-old, 22-year-old's hand, and they haven't earned it, they can, they will blow it. If you don't teach them how to manage it, they will blow it. So I'm really dealing with that. And I'm glad we're talking about it because I, I, I really don't know how far ahead or how situated I want my kids to be because you do want them to work for it. And see what you just said. Um, <clears throat> I'm not sure if y'all watch Power, but um, yeah. on Power, when Ghost knew he was about to get killed, and he set up things for his family, his son Tariq got like majority of the money, but he couldn't get it until he graduated college with a certain GPA. Now, there's a certain GPA that was out of, uh, but based on what he was trying to set up because he didn't want his son to go down the same route as he went. He put him in a position. All right, you can have this, but you need to go to school and do a, B and C to get this. So I think with that, man, it just depends on, on you, man. Like it's it's no right or wrong way. Like, like you said, yeah, an 18 year old, but who's to say your 18 year old, will have the same mindset that you had when you was 18 year old. That 18 year old might be way more responsible and way more ready to handle that. So I think it just depends on the maturity level as he get older for you to make that decision. And, and that's the scary thing about it because maturity has no age. Right. You can be an immature 35 year old. Yeah. And I think what I'm teaching him now and we've talked about this before on the podcast, is just like wealth management. You right. know, teaching him what you should do so you don't lose what you have. Right. Because See, you go out here buying, you, you, you got a million dollars and you go out here and buy you a few Lamborghinis, it, it's over. Yeah, but, it, but, but that comes with how, how you raise them also. Yeah. And also, 
you can't cradle them. And that's the one thing I like, I loved about my mom, man. When she was raising me, she allowed me to make mistakes, but we had those conversations prior. We'll have a conversation prior. Then if I made a mistake, we'll have a conversation. All right, well, I'm not mad at you. I'm just upset because I know you. And this, this, and this, now see what happened. But if you would have did this, this, and this. So you just got to have that conversation with them. Um, and be prepared for a mistake, but also be prepared for him to be successful or yeah. her to be successful. So, I mean, that's all it is, man. Like, I feel like, and it might be, because how I was raised, I feel like once you raise your child to graduate from high school, living and whatnot, you did your job. Mm -hmm. What happens after that is on them. It's not, it's not on you. Long as they're in your household and they're successful and they did what you asked them to do, you did your job. Mm -hmm. After that is, is on them. Not saying as a parent, you just go give up on them. But you know what I'm saying? That once they turn, once they graduate, you did what you were supposed to do. Not saying you will stop being a parent, but you did what you were supposed to. Yeah. So let's let's switch gears here for a second. I know something else I want to ask you about. You know, you said that, um, I think you said you were at Kennesaw State. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you, I know that's, you know, higher education, you know, system. I know, you know, kid, he works in the educational system. And something you said on, uh, on your podcast, you know, you talked about, uh, you know, home ec being taught in schools and not being taught in schools anymore, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we've had, you know, a couple of discussions on our podcast here where we, you know, we talk about, you know, certain life skills you know, high school and even college to me doesn't prepare you for certain things, right? So, <laughs> so I kind of wanted to, you know, dig more into that a little bit, right? You know, what are your thoughts on that? Can you just elaborate a little bit more on what you were talking about as far as home ec, not being taught in schools and life skills, not being taught in school? Okay, all right. So I went to, I see Norcom. I see Norcom is... We consider I.C. Norcom uh, HBHS, a historical black high school. Literally, it was the first school for um, black students in Portsmouth, Virginia. Um, originally, when you went to Norcom, you had to apply to go to Norcom after a while. And part of your agreement was you graduate with a trade. I remember being in middle school, your elective, you had home ec. You had um, different skills. You had wood shop. This in middle school. Yeah. Um, we get to high school. We still have home at because I took home at. Um, but they don't have it no more. How can <clears throat> how can kids know how to? You look at it as elective, like this is an easy class. I'm gonna take this class just to get an A in it. But you you take home at. You got two different home at. You have. The household home at where you learn how to sew, how to do those things. Then you take part two where you learn how to cook. Um, people don't even know how to cook really no more. Yes, yeah, in fact. 
women and men, because everything is on the go. Man, let me just go the fast food, man. Let me just um heat up some noodles or anything like that. Um, if you was to tear your pants, women back then could easily just sew that. How like think think about it now. Think yeah. about it. Can yeah. can your wife sew something for you, or will you have to reach out to your wife, mother, or grandmother, or your mom, yeah. or your grandmother? Yeah. No, I'm saying I'm not a fantastic sewer, but if I have a hole and I have some needle and thread, I could go sew something right quick. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna sit here and be like I could sew a quilt or anything like that. Yeah. You know, um, I took home make too, and I, I I had a hole in my pocket. I knew how to get the thread out, you know, tie it off or whatever, and sew the hole back in my um in my pocket. You right. know, I know how to do that stuff. But kids today, they not getting that. They know? can't even use a safety pin to <laughs> to patch a little <laughs> hole up just to get through a day. Right. You know what I'm saying? So like these things are vital. Even um what kid was talking about um wealth and whatever, um, making sure that the kids are fin- financially stable. We didn't have those. I mean, we had those business classes, but it was also elective. But I think those should be mandatory classes. But the stuff is always pushing you to be an employee. Right. That's you know what I'm the saying? problem. They're not teaching you how to do all this stuff. Now, granted, like my high school, they went back and started bringing trades back and things like that. Um, one thing they have um, is a barber, a barber section mm-hmm. where you can learn how to cut grass. I mean, I'm tripping. Cut hair. They yeah. have a beautician school. Um, but also you, you used to have to take a test to do dual enrollment. Okay. But who who want to take a test? Like honestly. Yeah. Um, I took a dual enrollment. I ended up getting a trade in auto mechanics. If I would have known what I know now versus then, I probably would have took auto mechanics more serious. Cause everybody need an oil change. Right. You know what I'm saying? Everybody need the oil change. Everybody, I could have had a used um, tire business because everybody everybody don't want to get brand new tires. Mm-hmm. Some people want that. Let me just get this temporary fix. I'll come back in a couple of months and get another temporary $30 tire. That's right. So like these, these things, these life skills is important. And it's just not no home act, man. It's home act. It's um, ethics class. It's financial classes, man, is somebody who loves plants and want to be a horticulture. So like these these classes are very important and they took it away from the youth. Mm-hmm. They cut the credits down short. So now you don't need 30 credits to graduate. They ripped, just, they ripped all that stuff out. They yeah. ripped all that stuff out because my dad, you know, my dad, he graduated in the 60s and he talked about woodshop and how they mm-hmm. taught them how to like pretty much be carpenters. Right. So yeah. when they graduate, if I can't find a job, I can make my own job. And I Got mean, it. it's just so much stuff that I'm just like, why do y'all take this stuff out? And I understand we're in a new age or whatever, but still, y'all not teaching kids how to do their taxes. Y'all not yeah. teaching kids the value right. of um, real estate. You're not teaching right. kids how to how much money they should spend in a month. I mean, like we talk about like needs and wants, but I'm talking like seriously say, look, these, Mm -hmm. when you get your check, when you get your check, the Nikes over there, that is not a need. It's a want. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. You need to go pay your bills first. 
utility, your rent, your car payment, all that stuff need to be paid first. And you need to save or save 10% or, or say 10% is supposed to be for me to go get me something that I want. Yeah. Yeah. And see, I never learned that. I never learned that. How I learned how to get credit. This is literally what they told me. Go get the credit card, buy some stuff and um, pay it off. Right. You telling an 18-year-old who at Shaw University who ain't got no money to go to go um buy stuff. That's dangerous. I ain't even got no I ain't even got no job to pay it back. Right. You know what I'm saying? So like these these things are important, man. Like, and we also gotta understand that you said your dad got a trade. We don't have factories no more. Right. Like right. at the end of the day, that. like Back in the day, back in the day, you know, you graduate, you get a trade, you go work at a factory. You work there 20 years, you get your pension, your family is good. My mom, my mom got a job and she got upset one day, whatever the boss lady or boss man said to her, she quit the job that day, walked across the street, got a job that same day. And she worked that job for years. It was a mm-hmm. good job. She had worked that job years at the telephone company for years after that point. So you telling me, how many people you know today can just quit what they're doing and just walk and just say, I'm going to give me another job just as good or better tomorrow? Well, no, nah, I ain't going to say uh, just as better, man, because I have a friend who can, he stay with a job. He worked every fast food place from one boulevard to the other boulevard. But for me, it was different, man, because, like, when I moved down here, it was literally, like, a whole year that I was looking for a job. Mm-hmm. Like, I know for a fact I applied to over 200 places, over 200 places. And out of those 200, probably, like, 50 hit me back. And out of those 50... um. 25 of them was underpaying me. Mm-hmm. And um, the other 25, I want to say, let's say, um, majority of them was either underpaying me or I was getting paid by clients, but I wasn't having insurance. Yeah. I wasn't having benefits. Um, even the job I got right now, man, it's, I, I took a pay cut. Mm-hmm. I took a pay cut, but it had insurance. Right. And no, now that I'm older, those things is more important. Because you got to pay. Now, don't get me wrong. You're right. I want to get paid. But you know what I'm saying? Insurance. That that was a key thing, man. So, like, it's, it's just different, man. Society now is building us up to, all right, you don't need to get a trade. Go to college. Mm-hmm. Like, they're saying you need. Back then, it was you have a skill. We could utilize that skill. Now is go get your education. You got the education, but you don't got experience. How can I get experience if nobody is allowing me to get experience or I got to take an internship for free? Yeah. <laughs> or take a pay cut to get their experience just to get back right here instead of being here. So I got to take five steps back to get two steps ahead. Yep. And that's your. That's just what society is nowadays. And that's what I was talking to a guy the other day, a young guy, you know, don't have no kids, not married, anything. And um, 
he was talking about getting into some investments, right? He was talking about getting into some investments, talking about how he wanted to, you know, be able to work for himself one day and be financially free. And one of the things he was asking me was, do you know a school that I can get a, my business administration degree from? And I was like, man, you, all you need is an idea. Mm-hmm. I mean, how hard is checks and balances? Um, you don't need to spend more money than, than what's coming in. Right. Simple. And then, you know, we talked about even like buying a house. What's the process of doing that? And I was like, dude, you, you got the credit if you don't you know, get your credit card and use that method, spend it and then pay it off and build your credit up. But all you need to do is just go talk to the bank if you need a, a mortgage loan. But and this stuff reality in school. Yeah. And reality is you don't need to go to school, man. Get on YouTube. YouTube has everything now. <laughs> just keep that's it in the, the band. I, that's the thing I told them. I said yeah. YouTube is the best teacher nowadays. You can go on there right. and find out anything you want to do. Just type it in. And if you if you weave through, because some people are not good, but if you weave through it, you can find out everything that you need. Every Just about everything I've found, been doing in the business game right now was not what I learned from college. And that's no shot to a college, period. Mm-hmm. That's not a shot to college. But I'm just saying, the, the things that have made a difference in my business have been what I learned from places like YouTube and on, on other podcasts. Hand okay. to God. That's honest to God truth. YouTube and Google, that's all you need. Yeah. If little kids can do this, why can't adults use YouTube? Think about that. If little kids can figure out stuff on YouTube, why can't adults? And I'm and I'm one of those people. I use YouTube at the last resort when it could have been my first resort and cut down two or three hours that I was trying to do something. That's about one of the first the wrong way. So, yeah. You said it earlier, you know, to me, it's, it's, it's the money thing. Mm-hmm. That's the way I look at it. You said, you said that earlier, Heinz. And uh, as I see it, you know, education is important, but that doesn't necessarily mean mm-hmm. college. And I think a lot of times because, you know, a lot of things are that set up on money. You know, these colleges get pushed to, you know, uh, poor people and they get you get sold a dream that, you know, you go to college that that instantly means you're going to have this great life and this wealth and all this stuff. And that's not necessarily the case all the time. I believe colleges to me aren't teaching you certain life skills. High school is not teaching you certain life skills, you Mm -hmm. know, like it like it should. But that's right. No, and you're absolutely right, man, because I tell you one thing. I was getting recruited by the apprenticeship to play football there. Mm-hmm. So, like, the apprenticeship is basically the school for people who work at the shipyard mm-hmm. if they want to get a certification for something. So oh, okay. I could have went, went to school for welding. Right. Played football. I could transition that and became a manager supervisor something like that right there so like I'm not saying if I had to go back I would have did that 
But I'm just saying, it's like those things, like school ain't for everybody. Everybody don't want to go to school. Everybody right. can't excel in school. Some people are a more hands-on type of person. Some people can't sit in class and when the professor's talking, they sound like they're Charlie Brown. Like, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I'm saying? That prime example, me and Kia had a teacher named Zoror. Mm -hmm. I could not sit in class and concentrate because he literally talked the whole time. Now, if you, yeah. give me, if you give me something to study, I look at it, I review it, then it's different. Prime example, my midterm grade <laughs> versus my final grade. Yeah, and that just tells uh, you the difference because you couldn't stand it, and I loved it. I absolutely loved when he was telling the stories because it helped me retain the information. But everybody's different. Yeah. Right. So, like, some people are just hands-on. Like, even, like, with me, like, trainers and stuff, I've been training class, like, Lord, man, let me just get in there. And once I learn how to do it, it's a wrap. I can master it. So, I mean, I don't know, man. It just depends, man. I, I'm not a person who's who want to push people to go to school. I was like that at first. When I first went to school and I first graduated, I used to tell people, look, man, you need to just go to school, man. Get away. Get away from here. Go to school. Find out what you want to do. I was the same way. But now, yeah, I, I used to look at it the same way. I, to me, I look at it back then. I drunk the 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 college Kool Aid, and mm -hmm. to me, um, not saying that I looked down upon people who did a trade, but I looked at it like, okay, you know, I'm going to higher education, da 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 da. But I, I tell you this: being in HR for a, for a manufacturing company, do you know what we pay people who have skilled trades backgrounds? It's, it's crazy. It is right. crazy. Like it is so much of a shortage, man, that we will pay people like way above market value be, for to be a mechanic, to be an electrician, to be a welder, to be a pipe fitter, all those different things. And it's so many kids that are getting steered away from not even thinking about doing those types of careers, working with your hands. Because if you can work with your hands, you can find work anywhere. Right. In my opinion. But yeah. if if you got a if you got a degree in uh no offense to anybody got a horticulture degree but you brought it up earlier it's only certain places you can go to right yeah if you, can, if you can work with your hands if you're a mechanic you can open up your own business being a mechanic if you're an electrician you can open up your own business being an electrician or you can go work for this manufacturing company do you some side work you can do all sorts of things but if you majored in horticulture there's like a narrow lane for you to do stuff in and right. like people getting sold on these dreams, they're like, oh, you go to college and your life is going to be great. It's going to be perfect. That's, it's not right. And yeah. I, I just, I disagree with that about the whole entire educational system. I'm going to tell you who broke down the best college junk. Cameron on killer season. He, he broke, he broke what it's like going to college now best. He said, you go to college. Um, you graduate, you, you make 40,000, your rent such and such, you gotta pay that, you you gotta do this, break that down. He said, so you end up with 2,000. You wanna get fresh, so that breaks you down even more. So like, man, that college don't a dream. Unless you want a full scholarship, I suggest you to really think what you wanna do. Now, if you wanna go to school just to see how it is, okay, I get it, you know, but, me personally, like when I have that conversation with Trey, do you want to go to school? Are you prepared to pay this money back? Because I'm not taking the loans out because I already got enough on my own. 
Um, now, if you really want to go there and you adamant about it, okay, of course, a father, a parent, you're going to make a way. You're going to do what you got to do. But that's just talk that I'm, yeah, I'm going to yeah. have that talk with him. I ain't paying it. So do you really want to go? Mm-hmm. Of course, it's going to be more detailed, but I'm not, I'm not going to push college on him, man, because it's some people who didn't go to college who's very successful. Some of my friends start working at the shipyard after we graduated. And that's a federal job. Um, and like, what, seven, seven more years? They'll be 20 years in, and they only 40. And some of them already have supervisor positions. And I'm only using the shipyard because that's where I'm from. Yeah, it could be anywhere. Yeah. Kid, how many times I was in school and I'm, man, I'm done track, man. F this, man. I'm going to go work at the shipyard. About every week. Like, About like for real. Week. <laughs> yeah. Like for real, though. So, like, man, college ain't for everybody. So you you talked a little bit about uh, you know your relationship with your son and how you how you talk to him as if he's an adult in certain situations. And you know my son is twelve, and you know we have you know heart to heart conversations a whole lot and stuff too as he gets older. You know because this year later on in this year uh, he'll be a teenager. You know so I you know I talked to him about various things. I had that and one y'all have that birds and bees conversation yet. See, I'm getting ready to go to that. So it's two conversations that that, that my son and I, that we have had already. One is the birds and bees conversation. And the other one is, so I I mean, let me explain it like this, right? So we grow up, where he's growing up right now, we live in Kansas, all right? Where we, where Kid and I grew up in Virginia, um, there was more, it was more black people in that city than white people, okay? okay? But where we are in Kansas, we're not around a whole bunch of black people. You know, they, okay. you got some black people, but right, but there's not a whole lot of, of black people here. Um, so, you know, it's important for me to have that conversation with him that, hey, you know, you look different. You are different. You know, people are gonna see you differently than, you know, this white friend of yours that you got, you know, y'all friends now, and that's great. You know, I, I don't, I don't steer him away from, you know, judging people by the color of their skin, anything like that. But I have to be real with him. And I have to say, people are going to judge you by the color of your skin. You don't do it, but people mm-hmm. are going to look at you and think, oh, you know, you're, you're a young black kid. You got braids, you know, you walking with a hood on, you know, you up to no good, you know, and so I had conversations with him like that when he was even younger, like maybe your son's age, you know. And now as he's getting older, you know, I'm always thinking like, you know, I got to make sure that I'm I'm instilling in him, you know, to be respectful to people, this, that, and the other, because I don't want him to get caught out there, you know, and and being a stereotype, so to speak. But you know, still being himself, being true to himself. So yeah, those are two things I was going to ask you about as far as you know, you being a father and with your son you know have you had with him as far as you know you know black and then also- and i'm very upfront with him man if i'm if something on tv like it's this it was a video that i was watching i didn't know he was in a room um and a police officer killed the little boy and he was like what happened and i just told him straight up like i'm very blunt with that i'm I, I don't sugarcoat 
the race thing with my son. He's yeah, six yeah. and he the police also killed him because he was black. Mm-hmm. Straight up. Like I'm very blunt with him. All right. Well, we thank you guys for listening to Daru's podcast with Mario E. Kid. And today our guest Hans, we thank you again for coming on to the show. Appreciate guys, it. like, share, and subscribe to our podcast. And we'll see you next time. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Dad Rules Podcast with your host, Mario E. and Kid. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Also, follow and like us on Facebook and Instagram. You can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podcast Addict, Breaker, and Player FM. Till next time.